Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, the show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey there, podcast listeners. It's Saturday and uh, January 6th. Hey there. Hi there. Ho there. You going to go uh, start a riot somewhere today? Too soon? Yeah, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about, you know, the yeah. Hutchins down the block from us. I feel, I feel like they've been uh, charging too much. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to storm the Can you put Hutchins the, barbecue. the buffalo headdress on when you go there to do, go do mm, it? I feel like that's a little much. Is it? But I'm going to put on my cowboy boots. Okay. Fair enough. Hutchins. Oh, man. Hutchins is so good. It's I, so I mean, good. I think the bonus that you get when you eat in is you get the smell. The smell sticks to you for the rest of the day. Totally it does. And you're reminded about the love that you have. Yeah. And the fact that God made that possible, man, I just, I thank God for, this is going to sound awful. I thank God that after the fall, God told them to eat the, no, 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 it wasn't after the fall. Yeah, it was after the fall. That's right. God told them to eat the animals. Yeah. I'm all after the that. flood. Yeah. After the flood? Yeah. Fall. Yeah. Flood slash fall. Yeah. Yes. I mean, both are after the fall. That's the true. flood and the fall. More specifically, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, in fact, back before we moved from the land of barbecue perdition um, to Texas, <laughs> when we would come out here for church plant visits and to, to kind of do our meetings and stuff, I, I would go to Hutchins for that reason so I could go back smelling like like barbecue. And somebody even came on a visit and brought me back a t-shirt from Hutchins. Aww. And uh, and it, it the smell of the smoke preserved on that shirt wow. across the plane flight so like cool. i didn't want to wear it because i didn't want to then have to wash it and then lose the Aww. the smell of hutchins just don't wash it bro well i have since then a couple times Aww. but that's it uh, so pastor kellen one of the pastors from compass av yep i guess when he sends people out here like there's there some people out here visiting they're like oh when you go out you got to go to hutchins yep so my family and i went on monday yep to hutchins and we ran into one of his hfg couples that's awesome um, home fellowship group couples and they're like oh hey and Kristen recognized them because they've got kids. And so she's like, hell, hi, are you from California? You're a compass person. And we hit it off. Yeah. It was fun. And we took a picture. And That's as far cool. as I know, I think they sent it back to Pastor Kellen and Pastor Elvis to let them know that uh, Compass North Texas is loving the barbecue scene. That's good, man. That's good. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Barbecue is good, man. Yeah. Arise, kill, and eat. That's the, I'm thankful for that, too. <laughs> Otherwise, we wouldn't have pulled pork. Mm. Yep. Mm, pulled pork. Yeah. So that's good. That was not, I mean, that was after the flood and after the fall too, but that was also after, you know, Pentecost and all that <laughs> that's stuff. That's true. That, a couple more years after the fall. Yeah. So I'm thankful we're on this side of the cross and in this particular dispensation. A hundred percent. We talked about that yesterday's episode. We get, we know so much more than, than Job knew. And we enjoy so much more. And we Did enjoy. Job know pulled pork? Actually, if Job wasn't an Israelite and it was before, before the Levitical law, yeah. he would have been able to enjoy all that stuff. He could have. Yeah. And he, he wasn't an Israelite to our knowledge. In fact, the only one that seems like he's an Israelite is Elihu. Right. He's got the Israelite name. Seems like he's got some developed theology. So I don't yeah. think these other guys are, are Israel. Yeah. It's so fascinating what we don't know. In fact, we talked about it at the end of our podcast. Yeah, all that we don't know. We could yeah, fill books all that we don't books know. of all the things we don't know. No, but the questions that come in. So one of the guys that, that sent in a question, Jacob, if you're listening to this, you sent this question. See Lander. And uh, uh, you had a question about Cain and Abel bringing their offerings and their sacrifices. And, and you made the point, and you're right, that the Bible doesn't tell us why, but that they were doing that. And so your, your implied question was, what gives? What, what do we know here? And, uh, and Noah does it too. After the, the flood, he gets off the ark and offers a burnt offering to the Lord. And this is pre-law. This is pre the commandments to do any of that stuff at all. This is pre-tabernacle. This is all of that mm-hmm. stuff. It's not there. Right. So all we know is that at some point in time, God communicated with his people that he desired to be worshiped 
worshiped in that way. And we know that, that that's true because he accepts the offerings when they're offered. Mm-hmm. Um, so when did that take place? We don't know. How did that take place? We don't know. But on that note, who knows what God communicated about, you know, this is what you should be doing and this is what you should be eating. This is what you shouldn't be eating. There's, there's so much that's, that's we're not privy to because we weren't there. And, and that was a special dispensation, the way that God was interacting with his people pre-law and uh, the way that he was communicating. We have some of his direct revelation um, that is given through the, the recordings in scripture, but so much that he uh, may have revealed about himself that we just don't have written down. And that's, I think, part of the fun of Bible reading, because yep. sometimes there are answers to that. If you're willing to, and you're able to read carefully enough, sometimes you can kind of get a sense of, oh, okay, I think I see what's happening here. Kristen, uh, my wife, asked a question the other day, and I said, oh, that's a, that's a really interesting question. I don't, I don't know. I don't have an opinion on that. She asked why Eve seems to have added information to what God told him not to do. So she says, um, God told us not to eat of the fruit nor touch it. And she's asking, well, who said that? I mean, God didn't say that. Did Adam misspeak to her? Did he tell her wrongly? Or did she just assume something beyond that? Well, that's an interesting question. I don't know. Furthermore, I have questions about, I mean, it seems like, it seems like there's sin taking place before the fall. In fact, many times preachers will ascribe sin to Adam for sitting back and doing nothing. Uh, Preachers will ascribe sin to Eve for even entertaining and usurping the authority of her husband by interacting with this serpent. It seems like there's sin happening before the fall, but we really can't say that because we say that sin happened at at the taking of the fruit and the dispersing of it to her husband and afterward. So it's it's a very foggy, it's not as precise as I would like. Right. Right. I, I think it's more of the fall event than it is the fall moment in time. Hmm. And, and so it's, it's, it's almost a progression there. Cause I've often thought about that too. In fact, in a sense, Eve's lying to the state, to the serpent in that statement. Is she lying or is she misspeaking? And I've, I've heard other pastors say, Oh, well she like, this is just evidence that they knew full well what God's command was. And she's embellishing to stress right. how significant yeah. this was to not, you know, eat from the, the tree. Yeah. Either way, I I think this is a that from that moment, and we've talked about temptation, right? Where does sin come into play with temptation? When does it start? And um, you know, First John two fifteen through seventeen, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the boastful pride of life, right? Those are desires that he's talking about mm-hmm. there, even before the act takes place. Mm-hmm. So, and and you see that in the fall account, she sees that the fruit is good and that's desirable. Okay, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. It's it's all right there in the fall account too. So. I think it's more of a fall event than it is a fall moment. I think it's it's a pro- progression um, that takes place there. But yeah, that that, it, that is a good question. And that is what's fun about scripture reading is it's like, oh, okay, yeah. And and what we have to be careful on is there's points where we bump into the fact that it, it, is, it is silent. Like scripture, even our ability to kind of read between the lines, we get to the place where we can't do that anymore. And we have to stop. Faithfully. Right. We have to stop lest we we go too far and press too far on something. Yeah, but if you have questions, that's a good thing. Yeah. That means you're reading carefully and thoughtfully, and that's commendable. Yep. Would that every single one of us have questions every time you read? Because that means we're paying attention. We're learning things about this text that we didn't know before. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about Job 10, 11, 12, and 13. You know, I don't mind this at all. I am really enjoying our plan. I'm just going to say it. Uh, Me too, man. I love it. Yeah, same. Same. And I've heard that from so many other people too. Thousands like, of people have loving. told us on the X site <laughs> and the Instagrams and the Facebooks, they're loving this. They are loving it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Job chapter 10. Um, this one I, I titled hopelessly vexed. 
<laughs> I'm terribly vexed. It vexes me. Wow. Uh, yeah, no, Job is, uh, it, it, it's similar idea, ideas that, that he's, he's been communicating. Um, in, in Job 10.3, though, uh, he's wading into some dangerous territory in his charges against God. We've talked about being honest with God, but also needing to be respectful and reverent uh, in making sure that we still have a fear of God. Um, and it seems like Job is fishing for answers, but, but it made me uncomfortable when I read this, when he said in verse three, does it seem good to you to oppress, to despise the work of your hands and favor the designs of the wicked? Um, in, in, in other words, he's, he's saying, does it seem good to you to, to do what, what is not justified to do? It seems like you're participating in the, uh, the, the designs of the wicked here. It, it, it Job's getting getting close, if not already having jumped across the line. And I do think it's okay for us to be frustrated and honest, confused, hurt over our circumstances, but we have to be careful not to get to the point of accusing God or charging him with wrongdoing, something that's contrary to his character. And I think Job is is dancing on that razor's edge here at the beginning of chapter 10. Certainly. And one of the things that I think my big takeaway from this, and this is hard, man, I'm, I'm going to say something that I think scripture teaches, but I personally have a very difficult time accepting. And is this, God does not owe us explanations, period. He doesn't, he doesn't owe yeah. it to us Yeah, God, because God's at level 400 billion infinity. And I'm at level three. If he were even to chance an explanation to me, I, I doubt I would even understand it. The thing is that, that there's such a pride in me. I think in a lot of people that would resonate with this. I, I God, if you just explain to me, God, why this is happening, then I could feel better about this. Well, not necessarily. I mean, I don't know that what God wants from us is not for us to understand all of his ways, but to trust all of his ways. And I think that's the most important takeaway from chapter 10. Well, and that's think of Habakkuk, right? Because in the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk says, God, you know, are you going to do something? Do something after all. Why, why are you not, why are you silent? Justice goes out, uh, you know, perverted and the law is paralyzed. And God says, I'm doing something that even if I told you, you would not understand, you would not believe. Then he goes on to tell him, but to your point, yeah, he first says, this is something that, that I'm not revealing my full plan to you because you wouldn't be able to, to fully wrap your mind around it, nor are you entitled to it. Yeah, verses 11 through 13, again, from Job, boldness that is, is uncomfortable here. He says, you clothed me with skin and flesh, knit me together, bones and sinews. You granted me life, steadfast love. Your care has preserved my spirit. Yet these things, all of the suffering that he's incurred, all of the, the affliction that he's going through, these things you hid in your heart, I know that this was your purpose. In other words, God, you brought me into this world just to do this to me? How? Who are you? Who do you think you are? Again, Job is, this is not a great chapter for Job. Yeah, and, and again, I, man, I, I don't, I'm super uncomfortable with those things that he says. I would never say the things that he does. At least I wouldn't, I wouldn't say them. I might, in my worst moments, feel them. I might feel them and perhaps even think them in my thoughts alone, but never utter them with my words. I just think that Job wins by laying it out. Yeah. You don't have to guess where he's at. And again, I think God appreciates that. When, when, when we reckon with who we are and what we are, it's not like God's like, oh man, I, I didn't know that about you. Well, thanks for telling me. God knows. And, and granted, how he says this and what he says, not commendable. But the right. fact that he's honest with God, I'll take that as commendable. Yeah. He ends chapter 10 saying, leave me alone. <laughs> Can you just leave me <laughs> Get alone? Get off my lawn, please. Yeah. Like, let me die. My days are, are drawn to an end. Just let me die. Uh, Zophar is next up. And, uh, and Zophar is, again, another one of these tactless friends who comes in with some words that might be true, but not necessarily the most helpful thing to say at the moment. Verse six, know then God exacts of you less than your guilt deserves. Oof. Okay. Uh, truth. Yeah, probably. Right. I mean, yes, uh, not even probably. Yes. 
the wages of sin is death, right? So any moment that we are not dead, that statement is true. Is that the thing to say to somebody that's walking through the trial, that's walking through the valley, that's suffering the way that Job is saying? Yeah, probably not at that moment. And that's uh, so true of so many of the, these friends. But, uh, but, but, but Zophar is, uh, is going to double down. Verse 11, he knows worthless men. Implication, Job, you would be among them. When he sees iniquity, will he not consider it? But a stupid man will get understanding. So now we're even... Now we're just attacking him. Now we're just outright gloves are off. Job, you're, you're not only worthless and evil, you're, you're stupid. And eventually you'll get it, but, but it's going to take you some time because you're a little slow. If you prepare your heart, verse 13, stretch out your hands toward him. If iniquity is in your hand, put it far away. Let not injustice dwell in your tents. Again, good counsel. We should be encouraging one another to repent from sin. That's something that is, is a good thing to do. But is, does it fit the moment? Does it fit the situation? Is this the right? Uh, what does the writer of Proverbs say that, that, that the, the right words are like, are like choice apples in their, their, their setting? And it's like a, a jewel, like an, a, a piece of jewelry, and it's set just right, just perfectly. And, and the, the right words can be that. That's not what this is. These might be true words in some context, but not the right words for this situation. So I would caution you to be careful with, on, when you speak on behalf of God. I think that's that. So all these guys, all these guys, some true things, helpful things, but ultimately they're they're misguided, misdirected. So I would encourage you as a Christian to be careful when you come with conviction on behalf of somebody else. That you be careful not to assume you know exactly what God is doing in someone's life because we we don't know. We can make some pretty well-educated guesses, given that we have the full corpus of Scripture now. But even then, we we'll want to be cautious, humble, and make sure that when we offer our take on a situation, that we don't offer it with a heavy hand as though that's the final word on the matter. Exercise caution and wisdom, and do the opposite of what Zophar did. Yeah. Yeah. Chapter 12, then, Job responds and, and says, I, I, again, I know. I know these things. Uh, verse 2, no doubt you are the people, and wisdom will die with you. That's one of my favorite lines. <laughs> you are the people. And wisdom will die with you, Pastor PJ. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. No. But there's there's these little sarcastic jabs that that Job uh, dripping takes. sarcasm all yeah. over this book. Yeah. Verse nine. Who among these doesn't know that the hand of the Lord has done this? Uh, in in chapter twelve, then in verses ten down through the end of the chapter, verse twenty five. There, you you get what I, I've kind of labeled Job's theology of God's sovereignty. He walks through and and just recounts things that are, are, are theologically true and accurate about God's sovereignty, that God is the one that does all of these things. Uh, if he tears down, none can rebuild. If he shuts in, none can open. That's verse 14. If he withholds the waters, they dry up. If he sends them out, they overwhelm the land. With him are strength and sound wisdom. So God, God is, is being praised for his sovereignty, though uh, from one who is bitter in soul, as Job has already confessed himself to be. Um, and, and really, this is just doubling down on his hopelessness because he, he is attributing the, the grandeur of God's sovereignty. He's not doing this in, in an outburst of praise with his hands outstretched and, and in a, a moment of, of euphoria. He's doing this to say, man, my case is really, I'm up against it. I mean, he, he's sovereign. Who can stay his hand? This is the type of sovereign God that he is. And we see that in chapter 12. Interesting tidbit for you. In verse 9, Job says what you just quoted, Pastor Peter, who among all these does not know? And he says this line here, that the hand of the Lord has done this. Mm. This appears to be a quote, or at least a loose quote, an adaptation of Isaiah 41.20, which if you know your Bible, you know that Isaiah was written long after Job would have been written. And so we're looking at about 700 BC, give or take, 700 yep. something. Um, what's, if he is quoting Job, and, and that's my suspicion, this is again gives weight to the fact that the book takes place 
in a patriarchal context, but it could have been written and perhaps edited much later on. Yeah. Yeah. Which is okay. It doesn't change the content. This is not an issue of inspiration and authority. Right. Uh, when we get into some of the prophetic books, that's when it becomes a problem. When you want to take Daniel and throw Daniel into 200 BC, totally. uh, then it's a problem because the reason they're doing that is to say no one could know what the content of Daniel is. That's different. Right. This is just a matter of, of some of these illusions and stuff. It's okay if this was written later. That's right. Job 13 then, uh, Job uh, is still left in a position where he just wants to know why. Um, and he's, he's looking at his, his friends and here's a, another great statement from him in verse four, as you, as for you, you whitewash with lies, worthless physicians. Are you all, uh, you think you're helping, but you are not helping. Um, you are, uh, you're worthless physicians in that front. Oh, that you would keep silent. In other words, will you just shut up please mm. and just let me be, mm. um, your wisdom, it, it can stay with you. In fact, it's like that old statement. Uh, it's better to be. Uh, thought a fool and remain silent, then open your mouth and remove all doubt. Yep. That's and, funny. Uh, and here he's telling them the same thing. Uh, verse 12, your maxims are proverbs of ashes. Your defenses are defenses of clay. Uh, that jumped out to me. Your maxims are proverbs of, of ashes. Your statements are worthless. They're not doing any good at all. I, I fear that, right? I mean, how many times do we come alongside, and you brought this up, I think, yesterday in our podcast. We come alongside a believer, a brother or sister who is hurting and we feel a need to say something. And I, I think sometimes I fear saying something that's just going to fall as though it's a proverb of, of ashes. It's just mm -hmm. there. And then it just disintegrates to nothing. It's like, I might as well have not said anything at all than to have said the, the thing that really doesn't help anyone. And yet that's hard too. And, and, and I think for us who find ourselves in the position of suffering, we need to be ready and willing to hear other brothers and sisters in Christ bring words of, of scripture specifically to comfort us. Um, we need to think and believe the best about our brothers and sisters in Christ when they do come alongside us and share a scripture passage with us to, to encourage us or to try to remind us of, of a truth about God in the midst of our suffering. Yeah, there are situations where you've got Job's friends here that you look at and you go, you guys are really bad at this. But uh, I think otherwise, if, if you're in, in the midst of suffering, you've got a well-meaning brother or sister in Christ who comes alongside you and says, you know, I know you're going through it right now, but I just want to encourage you. I, I know God's working all things together for your good through this. Like you may hear that and go, oh man, that just sounds cliche. That, that, that just sounds like the easy thing to say, but step back for a second if you can. And this is hard in the midst of suffering and say, okay, is this true? Yeah. And, and does this brother or sister want me to remember that as, as a source of encouragement to me? Yeah, they, they do. And so I think it's helpful for us to be ready to receive those things while we walk through the valley. Uh, and, and then on the flip side, just to be careful in, in what we choose to say to people that are suffering. I read a few, uh, a few years ago, a, a book called What Grieving People Wish You Knew About What Really Helps and What Really Hurts. That's uh, the subtitle it's there. It's a long title. It, it's a long title, but it's actually a short book. So What Grieving People Wish You Knew by Nancy Guthrie. Mm. So it's seven chapters long. Here I'm looking at it my Kindle. Um, I found this book remarkably helpful uh, as, as someone who doesn't know a lot of grief personally, I haven't had to mourn the loss of friends or, or, or family members. Um, thank God. I mean, many of them, anyhow, I have grandmas and grandpas and things like that. But uh, that said, if, if you're looking for some support on, on how to talk to people that you know are going to are going to have some heavy burdens, I would heartily commend this book. Nancy Guthrie, as a rule, writes really great stuff. But this book, again, short, helpful, what grieving people wish you knew about what really helps. Yeah. Yeah. Job's uh, confidence here, we, we've kind of 
taken some shots at Job recently about some of the things that he said, but he says something that is, is just uh, encouraging and challenging and, and convicting for me about his own faith. But in verse 15, though he slay me, I will hope in him. Um, such a, a good sentiment there. In fact, if, if you want a little extra credit, the, if you uh, Google Shane and Shane, though he slay me um, on YouTube, Google it on, on the YouTube. There you go. How is that for somebody who's out of touch with the younger generations? Uh, yeah, but look it up there. There's a mashup in Pastor Rod, you'll appreciate this with uh, Shane and Shane on singing this song called Though He Slay Me that's taken from this verse and John Piper preaching on that passage. Oh, wow. So, so you should know Pastor PJ is not a, as, as big a fan of John Piper as I am. So he likes to point that out. Although I feel he, like he I probably like, reference him and quote him more than you do in your sermons. I, I, as a rule, do not quote him in my sermons. Yeah. Because it's, uh, I feel like I quote him all the time. Yeah. He's great. Don't get me wrong. I just feel like his books could be a third of their length and say oh, everything that he needs you know, to if say. If he's listening to this, he's going to be so upset. Listen. He's going to send me a text and say, why listen, would you let Pastor Dr. Piper, if you're listening to this, shorten your books. Oh, wow. Hey, um, yeah, though he slay me, I will hope in him. That That's, I, again, I think we're watching, it's one of the cool things about Job, we're watching in real time him wrestle with God. And uh, he gets to the low moments where, and, and this is real life. This is what, what you may have walked through. You get to the moment where you're going, God, I'm, I'm just, I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I want this to change. And then you get to the moments of, of res- resolve, of, of kind of saying, okay, not fatalistically, but out of trust, which is what he has here. I'm, I'm going to trust him. I don't understand. But what, what recourse do I have other than to hope in the God of the universe, the sovereign one that he just talked about in the previous chapter? He's going to anchor his hope there. And that, that's where Job is there in verse 15. Yeah, I think I resonate with Job. If, if I were him, I, I would understand. Like, I, just, just kill me, Lord. My, I have my faith in you. My, my house is in order, so to speak. Uh, I, I love you. I'd, I'd rather be with you than to live through this. When God says no to that prayer, he has better designs than you do. And the important thing here is to do what Job does and to say, look, I, I will trust in you. I, I, I will. And that's that's a resolve there in verse 15. He doesn't say, though, you, though he slays me, I'm going to feel that hope and I'm going to feel that warmth and that love relationship. He, he feels the opposite, which is what makes verse 15 so commendable. Though he slay me, I will. I will resolve to hope in him because really... What other option does he have? It's like John 6. Yeah. To whom else shall we go? You alone have the words of life. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, well, chapter 13 wraps up with one more invitation that Job gives to God to reveal what's going on in, in the why here. Verses 23 and 24. How many are my iniquities and my sins? Make me know them. Why do you hide your face and count me as your enemy? This is similar to David at the end of Psalm 139 saying, try me, search me, know me. Um, different situations, different contexts for sure. But here, Job similarly wants God uh, to pull the curtain back on what it is that he might be missing. And that's uh, something for us to do as well, Christian, including uh, as we think about this weekend, we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper together, communion tomorrow on uh, Sunday morning. And so uh, join us for that and uh, be prayed up and prepped up and, and confessed up as we uh, get ready to, uh, to take communion together. But hey, we love you guys. Keep reading your Bibles and we'll catch you again on the next episode. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.